Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, July 28th, 2022. One unavoidable reality and situation in life where we will all find ourselves is someplace where conflict resolution is required. Uh, whether it's family, work, church, um, just other relationships, friendships, there will be conflict that will need to be resolved. And we all experience this personally. As a pastor, I get brought in to counsel in a lot of these kind of situations. And in all those, whether it's me personally, whether it's counseling, there is one proverb in particular that comes up so much. I mean, we could almost say it's it's in the running for MVP, most valuable proverb. Uh, that'd be hard to maybe get just one to get there, but this one that we're going to look at today, it would definitely be a finalist because of how much it comes up in counseling, how uh, really applicable it is and should be for all of us. Let's go to Proverbs 15 and 16 today. And as I've been encouraging you as we go through this section of Proverbs, read these chapters, but then maybe you'll find a few of those Proverbs that really leapt off the page and grabbed your attention, or maybe you noticed a particular theme in the chapters that day of just an ideas that kept coming up. Well, today I want to focus on some of this idea of really conflict resolution or anger or what we see in these chapters that could help us in these things. And it starts with this proverb that you've probably heard before, but let's read it now. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So there we see very familiar proverb, probably something you've heard before. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And as someone who's you know been in the counseling office and even heard lots of people describe their uh, conflicts uh, and and you know give a detail, it's almost like we're a football team watching the film of the game and looking at how the play broke down. You know, or we're talking about the conflict and we talk about okay, there was a disagreement, but at some point the disagreement turned into an argument or a fight. How did that happen, right? And it's almost as if we're, we're talking through what happened, or we're replaying the tape, and just like you know, a football team replaying that tape might see, whoa, look, here's where this play broke down. We, we look and it's like, oh, here's where uh, this conversation broke down or this disagreement broke down. And you know what that looks like a lot of the times? A harsh word. And usually it's a pair of harsh words that really get conflicts to go from kind of a disagreement or a conversation to an argument and a fight. Yet usually it's one person will say something harsh or sometimes something that maybe wasn't intended to be harsh, but was perceived to be harsh. And then the response is also harsh. And usually at that point, we're, we're off to the races. And now this has gone away from being a conversation and a disagreement to uh, now this is a full-on argument fight within a marriage or a friendship or whatever it may be. When it's kind of, hey, if we stop the tape right here, hey, what could we have done differently right here? And that's where we see a soft answer turns away wrath, 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. And that's where usually we can go back. And and at that point, it's kind of each person had an opportunity. Each person had a fork in the road where they could have chosen the soft answer, but instead chose the harsh word. So I want you to think about maybe some conflicts you've been in recently, or even to gear up your mind for today and to resolve, hey, when, when somebody you know throws that harsh word at me, how am I going to respond? And just to remember, a soft answer turns away wrath. And that's where you might say, but but you don't understand what they said to me. It made me so angry. Well, let's 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 think about that for a minute and let's go to another proverb. Let's go to Proverbs 15 verse 18 where it says a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So there we see another proverb that goes along really with uh verse uh Verse one there in 15, what is going to help me make the soft answer as opposed to the harsh word? Well, that's really going to depend on what kind of person are you. And that's what this psalm gets at. Uh, there, there are two kinds of people here. There is a hot-tempered man, and then there is one who is slow to anger. The one who is slow to anger is going to quiet contention with a soft answer. But the hot-tempered man when they perceive a slight or or are slighted, they're going to respond with a harsh word. So that's another thing that we really need to see when it comes to conflict resolution and when it comes to anger, excuses abound, right? No one ever wants to admit, yes, I was sinfully angry and there was no excuse for it. No, we want to blame the situation. We want to blame the other person. We want to look at the circumstances instead of saying, you know what? I was acting like a hot-tempered person and I was way too quick to get angry. And really, I think that is one of the most important things when it comes to uh, anger is uh, just a failure often to accept responsibility. Uh, oftentimes we want to blame someone else for our anger. You made me angry is what we want to say instead of saying, no, my anger is my problem. And that's something, if you keep your eye open for that uh, throughout Proverbs, I think that's what you're going to see, right? Even look at this verse. It doesn't say, oh, hard situations stir up strife. Uh, No, it says a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Um, Situations don't cause fights people do. You you get that? Uh, Hard situations do not cause arguments or fights. People cause fights. Uh, We can deal with the hard situations in a healthy way, with soft answers, with being slow to anger. But when we let it become something else, that's on us. And we'll take the first steps in overcoming anger when we admit that. When we admit my anger is my problem, not the circumstances fault, not somebody else's fault. It's my fault. A hot tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And that's really where it's hard to say one verse is the most valuable proverb because this is going to connect with so many others. How can you be more slow to anger? Well, consider some of the earlier proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
Lots of times, anger is an expression of us leaning on our own understanding as opposed to truly trusting the Lord. So pray. If you find yourself angry, pray, God, help me to trust you more. And when there's hard circumstances, help me not to take it into my own hands by being quick-tempered and giving harsh answers, but help me to trust you, to give that soft answer, and to follow your pattern in conflict resolution. And this is not easy. One verse towards the end of our reading today in chapter 16, it says in verse 20 or verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Uh, This is not an easy thing and it will take a lot of trust in the Lord and growth and maturity. Uh, But then the one who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. That's real strength right there. Uh, And so we want to pursue that through trust in the Lord, and hopefully Proverbs today points us more in that direction. Let's look now at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we got to remember yesterday, yesterday we spent a lot of time talking about chapter 8 and how we handle uh, disagreements and, you know, these gray areas where, hey, there's a clear biblical command or principle, but how that's applied or what that looks like in certain situations may be something where there's disagreement among Christians. In their case, it was food sacrifice to idols, very clear biblical commands that we are not to be idolaters. But what about this food that's been sacrificed to idols? And some saying, well, idols aren't real. They're not real gods. So who cares? It's meat. Eat it. But others had a sensitive conscience to that issue and did not feel that that was right. And Paul ends the chapter by saying, hey, I want to respect the conscience of my brothers and sisters. And so if if eating meat causes them to stumble, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to cause them to stumble. I'm willing to make sacrifices. Chapter 9 now is a continuation of that theme of Paul talking about making sacrifices. And the biggest thing he talks about is apparently in his work in Corinth, he was not paid. He was not compensated for the ministry that he did there. And he builds a pretty strong biblical case that, hey, those who preach the gospel deserve compensation for preaching the gospel. But I gave that up, even though it was my right, I gave that up for your sake so that I could preach the gospel. And you can see how how privileged he feels to preach the gospel. At one point, he even says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This was the greatest privilege that he sought. And so you see, like, I would lay down any right gladly for the sake of preaching the gospel, because that is what I want to do. And also he talks about that he has a stewardship. That's what he has been entrusted uh, to do. And so that's where then he gets into this idea that I have become all things to all people. And this is often something that I think is misunderstood. I think most times people use this principle, well, I'm going to do something that I want to do, and I'm going to use, I'm doing all things for all people. I've used this illustration before, but it's like me saying, you know, I want to reach more people for Jesus. So, you know, I'm going to go join a golf league to try to evangelize uh, other people. Well, that, that might not be a bad thing to do, but if I try to say, well, I'm just becoming all things to all people. Well, you know me, you know, I really enjoy golf. So I'm not sacrificing anything. I'm going and doing something that I love doing and trying to reach people uh, for the gospel with it. Now that's not bad. In fact, maybe we should think more about how we could use hobbies or different things like that to connect with unbelievers and share the gospel with them. But that is not the idea of first Corinthians nine. So don't use it that way, please. This idea here is I am making sacrifices to become all things to all people. 
I am giving up my preferences. I am giving up my desires to become all things to all people. That's the idea of this verse. And why would Paul do that? Well, you see that at the end, it's like an athlete training for the prize. He views just the ministry of the gospel in such a high way that he's saying, I am willing to make sacrifices. Just like, you know, every time you see an athlete getting a gold medal or winning that championship trophy, you know, they've made sacrifices along the way. But in that moment, they're going to tell you it was worth it for this moment. And he is saying, how much more us for an eternal cause? How much more is it worth it to make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel so that we might become all things to all people? Even when that involves me giving up my preferences, giving up my rights, it's okay because the prize of seeing people won to Christ is so much more worth it. So I hope that helps you understand the context of that one phrase that gets pulled out, all things to all people. And you see here, the context is I am making sacrifices Uh, for the sake of the gospel, but I'm happy to do it uh, because there's nothing better than the gospel. So I become all things to all people. So uh, both of these passages really should point us to uh, ways where we get to give up ourselves and our own desires and our own flesh, right? That's how we'll be slow to anger by not making everything all about us, but that's how we'll also be all about the gospel. So I pray that these Proverbs and this chapter in 1 Corinthians have jogged our thinking and helped us and will motivate us to live lives of selflessness, live lives that aren't about us, our preferences, our desires, but are truly about the glory of God and the advance of the gospel. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.